If Reality Check Radio enriches your day and life, support us to keep bringing you the content, voices, perspectives, and dose of reality you won't get anywhere else. Visit www.realitycheck.radio forward slash donate. We like to talk about fluoride here at RCR. Specifically, um, I guess we're keen on seeing it (laughs) banished, well I am anyway, from the water supplies of uh, New Zealand. And it's about time we caught up with Kane Titchener from Fluoride Free NZ in 2024. Kane, thanks for coming back on. Thanks very much for having me, Paul. Great to be here. Okay, so we're here to talk about um, a landmark case that's been heard in San Francisco, which came to an end, that particular part of the proceedings, last week. It's the Fluoride Action Network's landmark case against the federal government and the state of California, I guess, as well. And the government admitting harm is caused by fluoride. A decision will be made within a few weeks. I want to play, first of all, before we start talking about this, a couple of cuts from an interview uh, announcing this um, case, which has not been widely reported, let's say, in the mainstream media in the United States, California specifically, or particularly, and certainly not here. Derek Brose, journalist, has been covering this. He was interviewed yesterday on the redacted website. So a couple of clips outlining the story here, and then we'll be talking with Kane. There is a law that was passed in the United States called the Toxic Substance Control Act, which allows regular people, American citizens, to petition the EPA if they believe that a chemical or a compound has been proven to be uh, toxic. And in this case, the Fluoride Action Network, Moms Against Fluoridation, uh, and a few different plaintiffs, mothers whose children have been affected by uh, water fluoridation, they filed a petition under TSCA to the EPA in 2016, essentially arguing that the data proves that fluoride is a neurotoxin and that it affects the IQ of, uh, of children, especially during pregnancy and then postnatal. And the EPA eject, uh, rejected the uh, petition, and this, this led to a lawsuit. So this has been going on since 2016, 2017. And so the judge at that time said, you know what, this NTP uh, report's going on right now. Let's just put everything on hold for a moment. Let's wait for this report to come out. And well, fast forward, here we are four years later, and the report still hasn't been officially released. But in that time, because of the lawsuit, one of the beautiful things of this lawsuit, and one of the other things that makes it historic is the Floyd Action Network and their lead attorney, Michael Conant, who's a brilliant attorney, they were able to do discovery and to file open records requests and to get all kinds of data from the government. And in that process, they obtained emails from the CDC's oral health division, as well as emails that mention uh, U.S. Assistant Secretary of Health Rachel slash Richard Levine intervened to prevent the NTP study from coming out. You know, the U.S. government has publicly said they don't think it's ready for release, that it's not complete, the evidence is not clear, it's inconclusive, these sort of things. But the interesting thing, because of these emails, again, we actually have the emails of the scientists themselves. So while the scientists at the National Toxicology Program were saying, our study's ready for release May 2022, they had already set the date for publication, they were going to publish it on their servers. And then while they're having that conversation over at the CDC and HHS, they're saying this report's not going to happen. Yeah, so the report was basically taken down. Journalist Derek Brose also told Redacted about the science. The most important point here to highlight is, okay, so what was the scientist's conclusion, right? What did they conclude? 
again, because of this study, and now that we've resumed the second phase, Judge Chin did allow the NTP report in its draft form, since it's never been officially released, he did allow it into evidence. And that report says fluoride exposure is associated with lower IQ in children. It couldn't be more more clear as day as that. And that is what this whole case is revolving around. Can the Fluoride Action Network prove to Judge Edward Chin, as they've been trying for the last two weeks in San Francisco, to show him that the data proves that we have more than enough evidence, as the NTP, the government's own scientists have said, fluoride has an association with lower IQ in children, specifically when mothers or pregnant mothers are consuming it. And then, of course, postnatal, it is it has a very detrimental impact on our neurocognitive development. Journalist Derek Brose speaking on the Redacted podcast program yesterday, our time. Kane, thanks for sitting by and letting us play those clips because I think it really you know, puts us in the right zone to talk about this more as it relates to us here. So that sounded interesting. It sounded like progress because I guess everything that happens, no matter where on the planet regards this issue, ends up having some sort of effect back here or in the bigger picture, which we're part of. So tell us what's been going on there, Kane. I think I spoke to you last year about the NTP report, yeah. um, the significance of that, and we sort of were discussing that that was the beginning of the end, and it's basically largely been ignored in New Zealand by the Ministry of Health and the Director of General of Health, mm. but this court case has allowed that information to really come to light. And it's a really an opportunity for information to go um, under oath. So experts speaking under oath. So there's nowhere for these guys to hide and just, you know, essentially hide the information. Um, so the situation is that um, they're in a situation where there's the finding of facts document, which we presented on the 1st of March. And the importance of that is that it allows a rebuttal from both sides to actually come to a, a sort of a the actual facts of the case. And so what we're getting is finally getting the truth, um, and we're expecting that ruling within within weeks and months. So happy to go into any details on that. Does that mean that um, that uh, that report is now kind of having its effect? What what it's allowed is you know some analysis on what we're calling the what they're calling the point of departure. So yep. this is this is the real key thing. The point of departure is the level of hazard. So they're trying to identify that level of hazard. Now, so the NTP findings were that 52 or 55 human IQ studies at high and low fluoride levels showed a lowering of IQ, which is a 7 to IQ point reduction on average. But 18 of 19 high-quality studies, studies identified by the NTP review um, with, with a high-quality studies, right? The top science which the NTP identified was the Canadian and Mexican cohort data sets, and that was a found a lowering of IQ between three to five IQ points on average yep. at levels we see in New Zealand. So when you go back to the um, impact on New Zealand, those are the levels we see in New Zealand. So for example, the Canadian study was done at about 0 0.58, 0 0.6 parts per million. And in New Zealand, we fluoridate between 0.7 to one part per million. So it's, it's directly relatable to the situation in New Zealand. So if we go back to the point of departure, what, what the EPA was trying to get away without providing was an actual point of departure because of, of the, that level of, of harm. And what the plaintiffs were saying was that we had um, Professor Philippe Grunjean, who's done work on this, and then Grunjean 2021, a paper where he looked at the Canadian and Mexican cohort data sets, found a 
point of departure of 0.2 parts per million. That's mm. the level at which one IQ point is lost across the population, 0.2 part per million. Now, he's followed that up in 2023 with an additional data set from Denmark called the UNSA data set, O-D-E-N-S-E, the Canadian data set and the Mexican coat and data set. And there's, so there's 15 mother-child pairings now. And he's found that the point of departure, the hazard level, is 0.28 parts per million. So that is the level that you then apply what's called a margin of exposure or a safety level. That safety level used by the EPA is generally 10 for interspecies variability. Now, that's to cover off um, at-risk subset groups, such as pregnant mothers, the offspring of, um, and, uh, infants being exposed to um, formula reconstituted with fluoridated water, mm. those with thyroid function issues, those with kidney function issues, etc. So that's what that factor is. So now, if we use Grunjean's 0.3 parts per million, we go down to 0.03 parts per million. That's the level where everyone in the population is, is supposedly safe. Right. So what's this 1.5 milligrams safe level? That seems massively more. Yeah, it does. And this is sort of a this is a number that was basically used. It's an, it's an old um, number calculated using data, which is very old. But this is the sort of political aspect of it all. So this 1.5 is, strangely enough, above the point 0 0.7. But again, if you were to use 1.5, and this is coming back to this, you know, um, they've admitted harm and all that sort of thing. If they say at 1.5 parts per million there um, is uh, IQ deficits or a reduction in IQ as a result of fluoridated water, then a factor of 10 should be used because that's your point of departure or your hazard level. So the, the fluoride in the water should be no more than 0 0.1, 0 0.15 parts per million. So, again, they're really caught between a rock and a hard place because if you look at it in the other way, they should, if they're saying one part per million is safe, then they should have a factor of 10 on top of that. So 10 part per million is, should actually be the area where there's no harm or evidence of studies that show a reduction in IQ. Okay, so this 1.5 parts per million, how old is that figure then? How long has that been kicking around? Because that's what everybody's been going on for a long time, right? And we're using that figure here, aren't we? So we're saying um, it's safe between 0 0.7 and 1 part per million um, and then up to 1.5 parts per million. So, yeah, we are using that. There are admissions out there, Kane, now that um, it's a harmful toxic substance in the um, the way that we've been talking about recently. So that's, no one's denying that now. And what does that mean for New Zealand? Because, uh, I mean, we seem to be on the same song sheet as quite a few other people around the world. Is that a coincidence or, or what? Yeah, so it does seem to be a sort of eerie um, similarity in terms of of what we're getting from these health organisations, isn't it? So we're all being sort of um, preached to from the same song sheet. But 
Yeah. One of the one of the really um, positive things that's come out of this court case, well, a number of things, is that both um, the EPA experts and the plaintiffs are both saying that you know the scientific community are now taking this issue seriously. So there's more research, more scientists coming on board and looking at the at the data. So that's a real positive that's come out and. You'll be interested to know that there's a, an additional cohort data that's been researched regarding fluoride in Los Angeles, which is the Madre's data set, cohort data. So, you know, this information is now flooding out that there's that there's um, not only interest in the issue, but evidence of harm. Okay, so at some point something has to give or will give here, we would think then. I mean, you can't have this happen not too far away yeah. um, at this level and and no one does anything here. There's got to be some kind of ripple effect, surely. Yeah, and this is, this is exactly where we're at, where we need the only thing stopping this from stopping in New Zealand is public awareness. That's yeah. the only thing holding this issue back because we now have all of the science we need we have all of the um, experts who are willing to speak out. It's not a taboo subject anymore. Um, we've got the NTP report. We've got all of the animal studies. You know, there is just so much evidence. And I think if you, if we go back and look at, um, we put an ad in the paper on 2019 when the Green study came out, and Hilary Barry had the, um, the newspaper ad on, I think it was Seven Sharp at the time, and she said, it's just one study. It's just one study. Now we've got 18 of 19 high-quality studies, 52 of 55 human IQ studies. So really it is just that public perception. And we, you know, I'm just, we're at the point where we need people to help us. So we need, a, a, you know, a real groundswell of action. So people in their council areas coming together, doing sort of protests, um, you know, speaking to the councillors, speaking to their MPs, you know, really take some action and we're going to push this push this issue over the edge. Because any, any politician, local or national, wanting to continue with this in the face of all that data information now, it would just be reckless, wouldn't it? Oh, I, I totally agree, Paul. And, I, I mean, I've just had this... Um, situation where I, I emailed the the mayor um, of Waipa to get her feedback and to have a conversation about this and no not interested and I'm why just, why oh, though oh it's just outrageous and this is the thing that we we need the public pressure to make these politicians do what we want and you know these politicians will only act in their best interests that's one of the things about these politicians unfortunately and we need to make them um, listen. So it's over to us. You know, it's it's not ideal, but this is this is life. You know, we have to make um, make it happen that they will will take they will stand up and take notice. Because as I said before, we've got all the evidence. It's it's um it's just a matter of time. You know. Yeah, but there are reputations, and um, and people having to wind back things that they've stridently said. There's got to overcome that kind of resistance right yeah we do and that's one of the things that i'm trying to say you know look you know times have changed we've got from 2000 so from when i was started to be involved in 2012 
we had the Harvard meta-analysis, which we had 27 human IQ studies, you know, from China and India and these places. And, you know, you, you can sort of understand, you know, you can understand the apprehension, but now it is just absolutely overwhelming. It's just it's just crazy that they won't even look at it. Okay, quickly, I want to play another clip from this interview with journalist Derek Brose on the Redacted podcast site yesterday. I'm actually playing it out of X. So have a listen to this. And much like vaccines, the CDC, if you go on their website, they currently promote water fluoridation as one of the top 10 public health achievements of the 20th century. So there are some major influences in people that would like for this story to stay suppressed and would like for water fluoridation to continue happening, not only because then the companies who produce this toxic waste would have to figure out how they're going to dispose of it without getting paid to you know, put it in the water, but also the potential here, you asked about money earlier, if the judge does find in the case of the plaintiffs, you would imagine that the American Dental Association, the CDC, the FDA, and all the various branches of government who've been promoting this for generations now, eight, going on 80 years, would potentially be opened up to class action lawsuits by parents and family members who might say, did my child lose IQ points? Is my thyroid messed up because of fluoride? Are my hips you know, hurting because of, do I have arthritis because of fluoride? These are all symptoms of uh, overfluoridation and fluoride exposure. So he just described before what our Ministry of Health has been insisting on uh, to uh, councils, district councils, um, basically threatening them with big fines and uh, coercing them to have fluoride put in the water. There seems to be an element of commonality lockstep here, right? Yeah, it's definitely coordinated. It's definitely in these Anglo countries that they're really trying to drive it through. Um, and interestingly, sort of um, was raised this the other day that, you know, it's fluoridations in these places like Ireland, um, Basque region, all these sort of confrontational places. Um, Basque region's actually just stopped um, fluoridation, actually. Um, Hong Kong um, and in the Anglo countries. So, yeah, I don't know, you can read that into what you, what you like, but, yeah, it's interesting. Well, you know, um, why would you want to dumb down, because that's essentially what, what could happen here, um, you know, kids. <laughs> why would you want to do that? doesn't make any sense. Okay. Um, do you think it's possible then that um, you've been in this fight for a while? Are you starting to see it going your or our, I'm going to include myself in there, our yeah. way, do you think? Yeah, it, we're very close now. So um, when the NTP report was released publicly, that was sort of the beginning of the end. This court case has taken us a giant leap forward. Now, there could be a technicality. The judge was asking all the right questions. He was getting the right information. He wasn't buying. The EPA was sort of pressuring him, saying, you know, there'll be an error of law if you, if you, you know, say that there's a problem with fluoridation and all this sort of thing. Um, it looked like the judge wasn't buying any of that, and he was sort of really pushing to say, well, you know, can you can you provide a point of departure? Yeah, it's simple, eh? You know, can you provide it? And they're like, oh, no, it's all difficult and this, that, you know, it's all uncertain, but, but you know, it's all bloviating. It's all, you know, it's all just trying to hide and paper over the cracks of the whole thing. Um, it's not really, um, you know, it's, it's the sort of thing where what is the UECPA for if it's not to protect the population? Well, what's our EPA for? Absolutely. Absolutely. So, you know, we, we, we need to be, my my view is we need to be outraged by this. You know, we need people to just take some action 
and stand up and be counted, you know, this, and I'm calling out, and this is, I'm sort of, I also sort of think this is an opportunity for, you know, the freedom, truth movement, or whatever you want to call it, to really come together, you know, on, on an issue. It's, we're not a political party or a group or whatever. We're all just trying to um, smash a hole in this, in this um, facade, you know, and we work together and come together. We can do that on this issue. All right, is there anything more to say about this, Kane, as we sort of, like, um, keep up to date with you? I think that's probably pretty good um, coverage. Just, uh, yeah, just really want people to to get out there and do something on this issue if they can. You know, we, we need we desperately need your support to, to push this across the line, um, and this, there's, there's no better time to get involved. All right, Kane Titchener, Fluoride Free NZ. Thanks for coming back on. Thank you, Paul. Appreciate it. If Reality Check Radio enriches your day in life, support us to keep bringing you the content, voices, perspectives, and the dose of reality you won't get anywhere else. Visit www.realitycheck.radio forward slash donate.